Amen. It's a joy to be at Christ Church again and to be able to share the Word of God with you. Let me thank Pastor Dan Myers for this privilege, this opportunity to stand at the Christ Church. And then also let me thank God for your pastor of outreach who has been so kind this morning. And then I want you to see Ed so you won't have to wonder whether or not you'll appreciate his presence. Uh, stand, Ed. Let them see you. They'll be happy you're here. The, um, the size of that fellow allows him to sit anywhere he wants to sit. <laughs> I've gone all over the country, and they say, well, where do you want him to sit? I said, don't worry about it. He's going to sit wherever he wants to sit. It's, it's a joy. And let me express, really, uh, my heartfelt uh, and sincere gratitude for the pastor of this church who's my friend and my brother beloved. I thank him for his fellowship and friendship, which has been rich and rewarding a number of years. And so I want to thank you. I want you this morning. Also, let me thank those who have provided music, authentic and genuine music uh, fit for worship of this type. I want to turn your attention this morning to the first number of the Psalms. If you have your Bible, turn to the first number of the Psalms. I do my best to preach straight out the Bible. The first number of the Psalms, I want to read in your hearing verses 1 through verse 3. Uh, it's a wonderful Psalms. You'll find these words. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sit it in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I want to talk about how to be blessed. Tell that person beside you, he's going to talk about how to be blessed. In the culture of the African-American church, we have what we call call and response. And I'm a Baptist preacher. Uh, they've already given me my time limit, so you won't have to be here all day. <laughs> You'll get out on time. When, when those of us who are familiar with the Psalter recognize that the Psalter is made up of 150 different psalms, we recognize at the beginning of the Psalter, you'll find that it's divided into five different and distinct books. Of Psalms number 1 through 41, that's book number 1. 42 through 72, that's book number 2. 73 through 89, book number 3. 90 through 105, 6, that's book number 4. 106 through 107 through 150, that's book number 5. These are songs sung by the saints in the synagogue on the Sabbath. But the first number of psalms literally is pregnant with possibility because it literally sets the pace for the Psalter. It sets the pace for the rest of the psalms that will come. How important is the first psalms? Everybody wants to be number one. No matter where you are, if you look at the NFL, number one. The NBA, 
Everybody wants to be number one. Even in beauty pageants, they get in knowing there's only going to be one winner. And yet they get in, and when the person is crowned Miss America and walks down the aisle with her royal wave and begins to nod with her royal wave, the others are behind her clapping her on, saying, I hope she falls. <laughs> but everybody wants to be number one, and so this Psalms is number one. How important is this Psalms? And the rest of the 150 Psalms that are recorded on the pages of Holy Writ, they are vitally important. How important are they? When you read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19, it says that you ought to speak to yourself in Psalms. When you look at Colossians 3 and 16, it says, let the word dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing in Psalms. And so vitally important are the Psalms. James chapter 5 verse 13 says, is any among you afflicted, let him pray. But if any of you are merry, let him sing Psalms. And so the Psalms literally express the heartfelt worship of the people of God. Psalms number one. Again, these are songs song by the saints in the synagogue on the Sabbath. But Psalms number one has no author, has no inscription. There's no title, nothing above it to tell us historically what's the background. It is believed because of the pro close proximity to Proverbs that it was written by Solomon and it was written to his son Rehoboam who would take over the kingdom later. Vitally important is this psalm because this psalm is good for parenting. And uh, most individuals are parenting by proxy. Uh, most individuals are having to parent at a distance. But this psalm will help you as you parent your child. Now, those of you who have grown children, clap. I know how you feel. Grown and gone. That is the motto of my life. But, but this Psalms really will help you because it will teach you how to teach your children. Even in the Jewish culture today, this Psalms is used as a vitally important Psalms for raising children. Let me look at this Psalm with you so that you will recognize. It's a, first of all, it's a Psalm of what we call parallelism, parallelism contrast. Verse 1 through 3, there's a word about the righteous. 4 through 6, there's a word about the unrighteous. 1 through 3, there's a word about the believer. 4 through 6, there's a word about the unbeliever. 1 through 3, there's a word about the godly. 4 through 6, there's a word about the ungodly. 1 through 3, there's a word about the saint. 4 through 6, there's a word about the ain't. You'll get that one when you get to the house. But what the writer does is he shows us a contrast between the individual who is on the straight path and the individual who is on what we call the broad path. He shows us the contrast between a person who is saved and a person who is not saved. Notice where the writer starts out. First of all, he says that if you're going to be blessed in verse number one, you must watch where you stand, where you stroll, 
where you stand and where you sit. He says that if you're going to be blessed, you've got to separate yourself from the wicked. Look what the text says. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the path of sinners, does not sit in the seat of the scornful. I call myself a great alliterator. Alliterator, I will pick out words that will help you grab onto the text. He watches where he strolls, watches where he stands, and watches where he sits. And I want to say to you this morning, you will be tremendously blessed if you watch these three things. That's first of all in verse number one. Watch first of all where you stroll. He does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Now really what that says is you have to be very careful where you get your counsel from. You cannot get your counsel from everybody. You cannot get your counsel about how to cook good chocolate cakes from a person that cannot cook or bake good chocolate cakes. You cannot get your counsel from a broke person if you want to be rich. You do not get your counsel from a bald head man if you want to learn how to grow hair. You cannot get your counsel from someone that has nobody that will tell you how to get somebody. The reality is you've got to watch where your counsel comes from because there are a lot of individuals who will counsel you out of your house, off your job. I wouldn't go to work that early. All right, that's why you're unemployed. I would not give my child all of that. That's why it ain't your child. I would not continue in that ministry. I'm going to stay right there because I am being guided and directed by God. Would you just tell somebody, watch where your counsel comes from. Watch where you get your counsel from. The writer says that the person who is blessed is not an individual who gets its counsel from ungodly people. Never allow ungodly people to tell you how to live your life outside of the will, the way, and the word of God. He says not only does he watch where he strolls, he also watches where he stands. The older I get, the more I stroll, the longer I have to sit. And someone said simply, amen. <laughs> there was a time in my younger day I would be able to run across town, play basketball, play basketball all day, run back home, play basketball some more. And now the more I walk, the longer I have to sit. I walk through the mall and all I want to do is find somewhere to sit to see other people shop. If you do not watch it, if you stroll in the wrong place, you will find yourself standing in the wrong place. He says he does not stand in the path of the wicked, nor does he stroll, does he, nor does he sit. Wherever you sit, you become comfortable. So he says here, watch where you stroll, watch where you stand, watch where you sit. You've got to separate yourself from the wicked. But then he said that the blessed person not only separates himself from the wicked, he saturates himself with the word. How important is the word of God? Listen to what he says. 
and his delight shall be in the law of the Lord. The first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, shall be in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate day and night. Reminiscent of what was told to Joshua in Joshua 1 and 8. Listen what he said, that the person who is blessed, first of all, listens to the word of God. Faith cometh by? Faith cometh by? Faith cometh by? Faith cometh by? Faith cometh by hearing. Listen to the word of God. But not only should you listen to the word of God, you ought to learn the word of God. Study to show yourself approved under God, workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You ought to listen to the word. You ought to learn the word. You ought to love the word. The 119th number of the Psalms, when you look at verse 76, if my mind serves me right, it says, Thy truth I love, O Lord. You ought to listen to the word. You ought to learn the word. You ought to lo- live the word. You ought to love the word. The last thing, you ought to live the word. James 1 and 22, if my mind serves me right, says this. You must not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer likewise. How important it is because a lot of people hear the word of God. I had a friend not too long ago call me and said to me, I've got some trouble in my church. Every time I get ready to do something, they quote a scripture on me to oppose it. And I said to him, you don't really have a problem. Yeah, every time I want to do something, they take a scripture to oppose it. I said, you do not have a problem. I said, first of all, all any text taken out of context is pretext, which is no text. Make sure that if they're going to quote John 3.16, tell them to quote 15 and 17, they can't do it. Everybody knows John 3.16. How many of you really know the verse before it and the verse after it? Not many people. It's imperative and important that you know the Word of God. I say again, listen to it, learn it, love it so that you can live it. I am not impressed by individuals who quote the Bible and tote the Bible. I am impressed by people who do what the Bible says. I am not impressed by people that can quote off and fire off scriptures to attack people. I am interested in individuals who love the Lord so much that they want to do what the Bible says do. He says that this person delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in that law does he meditate. Now, that word meditate is an old country word. I'm from Arkansas, so, you know, country words I've become familiar with. This individual meditates in the Word of God. What is this word meditate? In the Hebrew, it's a picture of a cow chewing on the cud. Now, if you've ever seen a cow chew, you recognize that a cow does not get in a hurry chewing. It takes its time as though every blade of grass is a delicacy. It never gets in a hurry, and then it regurgitates it and chews it again. 
Now, let me suggest to you that that's what you have to do with the Word of God. You hear it on Sunday morning, and you may not think you need it. Oh, I'll never need that. But up the road, you'll have to bring it up again. You do not need, my God shall supply all of my needs, maybe this morning. But the way the economy is going, you may need it up the road. You may not need God is a present help in the time of trouble this morning, but you never know when you'll need it up the road. You never need this morning. You may not need how God will be a friend of yours this morning, but you never know what's going to happen up the road. I suggest to you this morning how important it is to get the word in you so that at critical and crucial chaotic times you'll be able to simply do what cows do regurgitate it how many of you been in situations where the lord has brought back to memory verses that you thought you never would need you heard pastor one sunday and you thought i don't need that and then somewhere up the road the lord brings it back to your memory that's what the writer is saying. He meditates in it day and night. He meditates on it during the day because he doesn't know what the day is going to bring. Meditates on it at night because he doesn't know what the night is going to bring. Meditates on it during the day because he don't know what the night is going to bring. Meditates on it in the day. Again, because he doesn't know what the night is going to bring. Meditates on it at night because he doesn't know what the day is going to bring. This individual is an individual that delights himself in the law of the Lord, and in that law doth he meditate day and night. First of all, verse 1 says, the individual that will be blessed separates himself from the wicked. Verse 2 says, he saturates himself with the word. But verse 3 says, he situates himself by the water. And he, who is this he? The blessed man. And he shall be like, symbolism, a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And he shall be like a tree. Three things I lift up for that verse for your consideration. Watch where you plant it. Watch what you produce. And watch how you prosper. And it's right there in that verse. And he shall be like a tree planted. Now my problem is when I begin to read scriptures like that, I want to know what kind of tree since I'm from the country. It's not a sycamore tree, not an am tree, not an oak tree, not a pecan tree. I believe in that hot, humid climate of the Far East, they're talking about a palm tree. The reality is a palm tree has a way of growing up. But the higher it grows up, the deeper it goes down. It wraps itself around the rock so that when storms come, you will see them bowing. My ancestors would simply say right about here, the storm is passing over, and they would holler out hallelujah. In life, there are times when the storms of your life are blowing that you find yourself having to just. And you're waiting 
for everything that's chaotic in your life to simply pass over. And all you can do is waiting for the storm to pass over. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit. When? In his season. This is a seasonal situation. Winter, spring, summer, and all you got to do is, this is a church crowd. <laughs> Thank you for knowing that song. Listen, life is a season, and you've got to get done everything you can in your season. Don't allow your season to pass by. Because if you allow your season to pass by, you'll end up with woulda, coulda, shoulda. I would have done this. I could have done that. I should have done that. If life is a season, never allow the seasons of your life to pass by without bringing forth some fruit in that season. Now, most people are fruit inspectors. And they don't bring forth any fruit themselves. Stop inspecting everybody else's fruit and bring forth fruit of your own. In the Baptist church, uh, somebody would say, amen, Reverend. <laughs> See, what happens in the Baptist church is when people say amen, they just don't want the person next to them know that I'm talking about them. <laughs> and that's a good way. That's a good way for you to let, not let people know He's talking about me. He bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. It shall not die. It shall not be decreased. It shall not be doomed. Bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And watch this. Whatsoever. Now I, man, that, that blesses me. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So there's a word of not planet what you produce, and now how you prosper. Whatever I do, I'll prosper. If I separate myself from the wicked, if I saturate myself with the word, if I situate myself by the water, everything that I do, I shall prosper. Come here for a minute. We do that in the country. Come here. I want to suggest to you that prosperity is not just cash, clothes, china, couches. It's more than that. Prosperity is more than having monies, mansion, Mercedes, mates. It's more than that. What is a house that has not become a home? What is having a fine car and you don't like where you got to drive? What is having the job but you've got to almost kill yourself to keep it? True success and prosperity has more to do with an internal peace than anything else. I parenthetically pause to push this into the passage from the pulpit at this period. Tell somebody that's good alliteration. From the bottom of my heart, I would rather have peace of mind 
than to have all of the gold and the silver in this world. How many of you have gone to the hospital to visit a person and that person is critical? And you walk in and you've already decided that this is going to be a rough visit. But when you get in, you see this person and yet it seems that there's a peace about them. You walk in, there seems to be such a peace. You've already gotten yourself together. I'm not going to be able to take it. Inward peace is better than anything. Buying a therapeutic metric and not being able to sleep means nothing. Being able to dine at fine restaurants and not being able to digest your food means nothing. I want that kind of peace that passeth all understanding. So that when people see you and they know that you're going through some things, they ask this question, how is she still standing? How are they still making it? Mother just passed. How are they making it? Having financial difficulties. How are they making it? Children are giving them trouble. How are they making it? Lost their job. How are they making it? Internally, I've got a peace that surpasses all understanding. You look at me and you wonder why pastor says I've been at Rock of Ages Baptist Church for a hundred years. Because <laughs> I look like it. I used to say I don't look like what I've been through. I look like what I've been through. But I have a tremendous peace that when people see me, they wonder, how do you keep laughing? How do you keep smiling? How do you keep going? In spite of it all, I have separated myself from the wicked, saturated myself with the word, and now I'm situated by the water. And it is from the water that I get all of my life substance. I want to ask you this morning as I go to my seat. Baptist preacher had three I'm closings. First two don't mean nothing. <laughs> nothing. Tell your neighbor, if you've never experienced a Baptist preacher, he don't mean it. I'll patch, package all three of mine together. I'm closing. I'm closing. I almost done closed. <laughs> how many of you here this morning really have thought about how blessed you are? Not in terms of what you've amassed, acquired, or accumulated. But you got somebody in your life that loves you. You've got children that still are concerned about you. Your health is pretty good. And even if your health is bad, can I suggest to you there's another end to this that you still ought to be thankful with bad health? You're not dead. <laughs> I mean, there is some alternatives to this thing. I mean, there's some things always to bring about some joy and laughter, even when you're not feeling well. 
Well, my feet hurt. I got feet to hurt. Life is not the best. I'm still alive. I've got people around me that love me. I've got a grand boy that always said, Paul, Paul, I love you. Boy, I, I just, uh, I've got something to live for now. That's, that's the boy. I call him the boy. Now, I'm going to do something that I told you I am, was really going to do. I'm going to really close. <laughs> How many of you this morning, without the elevation of your hand, are saved? And you're glad you're saved? Would you raise your hand if you're saved and you're just glad you're saved? I'm glad I'm saved. Can you imagine what the world would be like with you unsaved? Say to your friend, I'm glad I'm saved. I go to my seat with that. Thank you this morning. Love you and hope the Word of God has helped you. And old people say, I hope it has hoped you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you this morning. Yeah.